folks. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that discusses where it's been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And we are back with another episode for you. So this week, we're going to talk about two new albums from two of our of our favorites. Favorite I, I think we yeah. can say that. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. And two artists who actually have a connection with one another, that is Young Thug's Slime Language, which I think is a compilation technically. But it's still, we're still going to view it's a young thug. Re- review it under the guise of a Young Thug album. And yeah. Travis Scott's new album, Astroworld. But before we get into that, I just want to talk about some, some of the podcast stats because we, we looked into looked into like our listenership over the last few months and our, these 14, 15 episodes. And it was a pleasant surprise to discover that Catch Up, the podcast that you're listening to right now, is enjoyed in over 30 countries. Wow. Wow. So we have listeners from Canada, the U.S., Netherlands, United Kingdom, Germany, Thailand, Hong Kong, Switzerland, Egypt, Puerto Rico, the Bahamas, Norway, Australia, France, Spain, Israel, Italy. Port- okay, I'm going to stop. But the United Arab Emirates is in here. <laughs> That's we got, amazing. We got Gambia. We got Pakistan. We got Croatia. We really appreciate all this international support. And if you're a listener in any of those countries, please reach out to us. Some of this stuff is like, who is this person? Yeah, absolutely. So we want to hear from you. Um, one of our listeners in Egypt reached out to us, which is a really nice. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Graham. Yeah, um, we appreciate the love, and please continue to spread the word about the podcast. As as you can see, we are enjoyed in many countries by many different types of people. So we want to continue that. <laughs> um, and another way for you, for us to do that is uh, for you to do that actually is by listening to us on Spotify, which we recently hit Spotify. Yeah, very exciting. Um, you know, it puts us in some uh, elite company. You know, Joe Budden just got a podcast on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like they have a pretty select uh, grouping of podcasts, of select curation, and we're a part of it now. We're part of that. Uh, and before before we get into these albums, I just want to talk a little bit recently about. Uh, I want to talk about this concert I went to this week, uh, Drake and the Three Migos concert. Um, so I went on Wednesday, which is the final night, and. Initially, this like some of you may know this, but initially this was a three night stand. It was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which had been postponed from a pre- from an earlier date that was allegedly due to production issues. Which uh, I mean, who knows what the story is there? A lot of people speculated is because Offset couldn't get into the country at the time, mm-hmm. and a lot of other things. Uh, some people thought it was like there's a there's a, a red a yellow Ferrari that shows up <laughs> in the in in the show. Maybe people are like it's maybe they're figuring out the yellow Ferrari. So there's a lot of rumors and speculation about this. Um, so on the Monday of the concert of these of the fir- the first night of this three night stand, the concert was canceled mm-hmm. like the day or re- of. It's rescheduled. Rescheduled. Least, yeah. Rescheduled. Allegedly. Allegedly rescheduled the day of. People were really upset. There was a lot of rumors that Drake was going to show up at the VMAs, which were that night. And, you know, I wouldn't discount those rumors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it seemed like, and I feel like pretty quickly the swell of the internet kind of turned against Drake and Migos for this. Mostly Drake, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, Drake. Since he is the headliner and since this is his, his hometown. Mm. And later that night, Quavo and Offset of the Migos appeared at the VMAs, but Drake was nowhere to be found. Uh, where he was apparently was a hotel room in Chicago, uh, sorry, a hospital room in Chicago visiting um, a sick young fan of his. That's, which is, you know, it's good. Noble. Yeah, very- Maybe a little less noble is the next day he released this video of him visiting this <laughs> this fan and essentially said that the reason the concert was postponed was so he could visit her. Mm-hmm. Which honestly just seems like such a strange level of like career image management and like so nakedly it felt very craven and gross yeah i mean it's probably not the reason uh and it's also like you how long was that visit drake was it the length of your set at uh of the show <laughs> that's right you could fly to chicago and fly back to toronto and make a show yeah anyway all is to say the next night the concert happens and but it only happens with drake and two migos mm-hmm. it's take off and quavo Offset is nowhere to be found, presumably because he can't get into the country. Nothing is announced about his absence. But the night that I went, Offset was there. Mm. He came out like, you know, so the openers were Roy Woods and Baca. Mm -hmm. And the arena was more than half empty at that point. And then when the Migos came out, Offset just strolled in with them. 
and to honestly like deafening deafening applause we were freaking out people were just yelling offset like people were like losing their minds um and one thing so thinking about the Migos performance like they did a pretty good job I had really good seats it was like I was on I I got bought floor t- floor seats so I was like you know mm-hmm. I've, I've never never seen Drake and I might as well just go in on it you mm-hmm. know I was, pl- I was planning to drop the bag on OVO tickets this year and then they didn't announce them so um, yeah, and it, watching the Migos up close, it was like, you know, I was really entertained by them because I'm a like longtime fan, and I was hearing songs that I almost forgot about from them, um, even songs from Culture that I haven't thought about in a little while. Yeah, you know, Culture is just great end to end. It's no no real bad songs. On no that. real bad songs, and um, one th- I mean, like being up that that close, you could really see the charisma that Quavo has. Mm. And I know that in recent years, I mean, in the last little bit, Quavo's kind of taken a little bit of beating. I think people are a little sick of his, of his shtick because it doesn't really change it up that much. Mm-hmm. And there was a time that he was providing something that felt vital and new. Mm-hmm. And that's no longer either of those things. Yeah, Offset kind of uh, became the primary Migo. Offset became the Migo of choice. The yeah. features takeoff started getting off some, some mm-hmm. great verses. So it kind of like, you know, put Quavo in the background, but seeing him at the show, I was like, oh, I get why we were all obsessed with you. Mm-hmm. Just even outside of the music, just the way that he walked around, the way he glided, like he, his face, <laughs> like yeah. he just had the star, po- he had star power. He really looked, He it made me think of like, oh yeah, you were a quarterback. Yeah, I he, feel like he has that athlete swag, you know, that where he's just like, uh, that confidence of being perpetually good at things that matter and like being able to transition from sports which are probably the most important thing that you could be good at in high school to music which is at least in your 20s probably the biggest status thing you could be like to be like a a-list musician or a-list rapper mm-hmm. it's like what what is bigger than that you yeah. know so it's like he's just seen success after success mm-hmm. it gives you a great confidence he it, it basically was that that's what I, that's what was emanating off of him um, and this, the stage was kind of like a square and it's like 360 view. So it's in the middle of the arena. So people can see you from each side um, as opposed to the more standard view. And yeah, it, they they did a good job. But it's, at some point, like halfway through their set, it felt like I was like, oh, I'm really enjoying this because I'm very close. But if I was like further away, I would be very disengaged right now. Mm. Because ultimately, um, the Migos, they like, just wrap their verses kind of like don't they move around a bit but it's not super dynamic mm-hmm. and you know Migo songs some of them they have three verses and that's a lot of words and like you know <laughs> at, at, at at two minutes and 50 seconds of a five minute song you're really kind of like all right guys mm-hmm. let's wrap it up you know mm-hmm. so I mean up close I will say Offset had a lot of great facial expressions and did a lot of different poses and stuff but like ultimately they seemed like they were they were good openers but they also, I could also feel like they didn't really captivate the rest, of, like the the rest of the crowd. Yeah. Um, well, maybe by design. Maybe that's by design. Yeah, I don't know. It's a funny. Like, they are a list rappers at this point. They dominated uh, twenty seventeen. But are they arena rappers? Like, you know, maybe in some cities for sure. But, yes, you're right. But that's but, an important distinction, though. Yeah. And that's. And I think. I feel like that's what I took away from seeing them as the openers. Mm-hmm. I was like. It makes you understand that it's it's really really hard to perform in an arena and captivate an audience. Yeah, it's like that's why so select few people do it. Yes, you know, like the people that are arena artists. You got Kendrick Lamar, you got J Cole, mm-hmm. you got Russ. Mm. Russ, I know he's Russ doing. Russ is it. headlining <laughs> Scotiabank Arena, which formerly the the Air Canada Center. I didn't realize that were there were many straight edge rap fans in, in 2018, but apparently there are. I mean, honestly, I've said it before on this show, and I will say it again: never underestimate <laughs> the career limits of a average to decent white rapper. Yeah, even if you're a mediocre white rapper, you're gonna for there's, sure. There's a lot of things like I'm. I wonder if Macklemore was doing arenas a few years ago. He, he I think he was. Maybe maybe on a combo tour with someone else mm-hmm. who was a, kind of a similar level of fame. I mean, all this to say that when Drake finally came out, um, you really s- see why Drake is where he is. Mm-hmm. First of all, like his when he comes out, like this huge like kind of fence comes down around the square. Mm-hmm. So you can't really see, you can't see his face really. Mm-hmm. And he came out and just started rapping. People are losing their minds. 
but like he does two songs with this fence up mm-hmm. and then he removes the fence so people go even crazier yeah and then just starts dipping into this like incredible catalog yeah like the the number of songs that the number of hit songs that Drake has the number of standout verses that you know all the words to I mean I think at this point it's he has more way more than anybody else like like it's not in rap history it's like not even close in my opinion wow I think because uh-huh. like who who else is there there's Kanye Kanye Jay-Z Jay-Z that's it that's it and I think like uh, like neither of those artists ever had the pop success that Drake is seeing at this point and uh, Drake also like like I mean it's just like different like Jay Z in a way I think like one of the differences is that like he I don't think would go to do some of the songs that I would want Jay Z to do like some of the older stuff from like the Dynasty or Reasonable Doubt that kind of stuff like he maybe does like one song off it whereas Drake always has a good sense of what people want to hear you know. It's a great point, man. At some point, he did a medley of his of his hits, where he, I mean, he's so many, and he basically was just doing like a, a hook or maybe a bit of the first the first verse, and you know, you're hearing like the My Way remix with Fetty Wap. Oh my god! You know, you're hearing trophies. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't even have to play those. Like for other artists, that would be their biggest song uh-huh. of their career, basically, and like. That Fetty Wap verse is a great verse. Remember how big it was at Boozy Fade? Still as big at Boozy Still Fade. Big, yeah, right? that's true. And like, is it in the, it's like, a, he might have a hundred more songs that are like, you know, in his catalog that are bigger than that. Pretty astounding stuff. Um, yeah, and he and he was just a really great performer. He's a had a great command of the stage and of mm. the arena. Like he did a great job of making sure everyone in that arena felt like they were included in what was happening. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and, and obviously that's like headliner, that's headliner stuff. Like compared to the Migos, it felt like they were only really engaged with the people that were on the floor, if that. Mm-hmm. And Drake was performing for everyone. He would say stuff like, oh, people up there. Like he, and he would just, he would go, for the most of the performance of the Migos, they were kind of facing one direction. They would mm-hmm. bounce around to the other spots, but they were primarily spending their time facing one direction, where Drake performed for each each of the four corners like equally. Yeah. So it was just like little things like that. I was like, I, I could see his like his showmanship and his stagecraft and like what has got, why he, you can go to an arena show and like really feel entertained by Drake. He performed for like two hours. And he was doing this this classic uh, rhetorical device that artists like to do. It's like, I was like, how are you guys feeling? You guys tired? If you're tired, I'll stop. If you want me to keep going, I'll do more. Yeah. <laughs> and he did this like three or four times. And by the third time, I was like, sir, please. We, we are tired. Let us leave. I have to see my family. Like, yeah. it was getting really long. And I, I was loving the show. But I was like, dog, you got too many hits. Yeah. You actually have too many songs to perform. Yeah. Um, but he did a fantastic job of, of running through them. And like, I will say, like, you know, it was my first time seeing Drake in concert, and I was really excited for it, and it lived up to my expectations, and I kind of felt like afterwards, I was like, okay, cool, like, I don't really need to see him again for a very long time, it feels like now, yeah. but it was, like, worth every dollar, so if you've never seen Drake before, or if you're a Drake fan that's that's become a fan of his, like, re- more recent work, like... I would absolutely recommend that you go out of your way to see him because it's it's nice that like, he's performing a lot of songs from like the new album and it's nice to hear those songs mm. like fresh on the new album like live. Yeah, I I went to um, OVO Fest with the, the year it was Outcast, which I think is twenty fourteen. I think, but it's basically before like new Drake really like came to be like the buff drake Drake, trap drake you know real like dominating rap drake uh so i would like to see him again because he was good then and like you know but i like he's almost a different artist in my mind at this point i absolutely think of him as a different artist like we recently did a a party a 2012 party here in toronto where we're just playing music from the year 2012 and 
in like doing research for songs, I like came across. I listened to "I'm on One," mm-hmm. the DJ Khaled song with Drake and Lil Wayne. 2010, I think. This 2010, so yeah. it was before. It was before 11, maybe. Before, but watching, seeing first of all, just seeing the old Drake, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I get now why everyone made fun of this guy. No, he was actually corny, super corny. He was doing something that was still appealing for sure, but like there was something about him that was just not not cool. And at, at that time, I really didn't get why people made fun of him so much because I think I was so just enthralled with the idea of a rapper from Toronto being becoming this huge mm-hmm. superstar. And I'm like, what's wrong with him? How is he different from other rappers? He's just a rapper. And he also seemed like a kind of like a nice guy. And it was like easy to cheer for him because he was just like treating everybody well. He kind of almost was more of an everyman then. Yes, absolutely. And now has ascended to being more of like a uh, sort of... A deity. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. The sixth god. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. And anyway, old Drake is not not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I looked at him and I'm like, how did I ever like this? And he would rap about like syrup and stuff. And I was like, I remember the time I was like, oh man, he's really, I was like, I, I know what he's doing. But mm-hmm. now looking at it, you're like, this is corny as hell. Yeah, no. Anyway, thank God we have the new Drake. Yeah. All right. And now we're going to talk about uh, an album that I think we were both very excited for by the rapper Young Thug, technically a compilation of his of his YSL label, mm-hmm. but a new release from Young Thug called Slime Language, which features terrific cover art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even Truly the, outstanding. the rollout for it was pretty exciting. He, Young Thug sent snakes to people, <laughs> like journalists. Journalists. Imagine receiving a snake from Young Thug. What do you? What do you do? Someone in the Boosie Fade group who is a journalist, uh, Mr. Aaron Leaf, who works at OK Africa. Yeah, uh, received one of these snakes and he po- posted a video of it in the Boosie Fade group, which yeah. is truly exceptional content to see like what <laughs> what this is like in real life, like what it's like if you just have a snake in your office for, yeah. as a piece of album promo material like i don't know what do you do with that what would you i have to feed that snake you gotta, you gotta feed it like mice snake. you know it's like you gotta feed it live other live animals as a carnivore it's, i mean anyway damn it's, yeah it's that kind of world i guess um <sighs> anyway so the album came out and i think people were definitely that it was just like like it had been a little while since he, there was a young thug record yeah he, released, young thug he record. released a little three pack of songs in the, earlier this year yeah, in the winter in the winter and they were mostly pretty forgettable yeah and then it, it was, so it's kind of been more than a year since his proper re- last proper release which mm-hmm. was uh, which beautiful thug beautiful thug girls which i think is a I mean, I might have to re-listen to it, but I, I would say it's like borderline classic album for me wow. in, in terms of like, especially the Thugger catalog, like mm. just like a complete left field turn, mm-hmm. like so many just new styles, new flows. Like this is the stuff that like I think a lot of young Thug fans have come to like love about him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to talk more about his projects, like I feel like there was a time in my in my life, like I think I started listening to Young Thug around seriously around 2012, 2013. And then he started to get mainstream attention probably around late 2013, 2014. Whenever mm-hmm. he was, he did about the money with Ti is when I, felt, yeah, I was like, okay, that now was 2014. I'm, yeah, and that that was also the year that Lifestyle came out with Rich Homie Kwan. Yeah, so it, he, it happened really fast because before that he had 1017 Thug and was sort yes. of in that like uh, sweet spot of like a promising new Atlanta rapper. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know Danny he had Danny Glover, Stoner, yes, all about the Danny money. Glover. And uh, um, and then it was sort of up and up from there. Yeah. Um, and then, he, then and then with Rich Homie Quan, it's all, he had those the the tour. Rich Gang the tour. Which if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to that album, we'll talk about it a lot more soon. Yes, you will hear more about us talking about this album soon. But it's it's a it's absolute. A, it's a it's a it's classic. A bl- classic. Yes, a classic. <laughs> um, but you know, I had this feeling about Young Thug at the beginning of his career, where I was like, this guy's amazing. But he's such a curio. He's such an off-center type of artist. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it'll ever happen for him in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. But then when he started ascending through Danny Glover and Stoner mm-hmm. and about the money, I was like super excited. I'm like, okay, people are starting to understand. They're starting to get it, and it's mm-hmm. going to work. Lifestyle, which is a, a huge, huge hit on the hit. Billboard uh, Hot 100, one of his his biggest probably still to this day. I think. Yeah, and the, well, this year he kind of topped it. Wait, I mean, as a solo, as a, as, a so- as the main artist, probably yes. Yeah. This year he's been on the Camila Cabello song. Yeah, that's yeah. like that he, went to number two. I think, yeah. but anyway, all this to say, he started to have this run in the mainstream eyes, and 
I, for me, I, it was always a matter of like, okay, when is he going to have his solo hit that is his breakaway breakout hit where now mm-hmm. even casual music fans are like, I know this one Young Thug song and it's great. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us were, ex- was, were expecting that to happen with the Barter 6 album, which mm-hmm. was initially going to be called the Carter, the Carter 6. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a whole conversation for another day. Yeah, They changed the name to the Barter 6 uh, after legal threats. And that album is a fantastic album, mm-hmm. but is not the album that I think a lot of his fans expected, which was like stuff in line with the light with lifestyle and about the money. Like this is going to be the album that has his solo hits, mm-hmm. but it was more, it was a lot weirder and it was a lot more experimental mm-hmm. and it was a lot more, it was unusual. Yeah. You can kind of contrast his career with future or like I do a lot in my mind because one, they were my two favorite, two of my favorite rap artists or my two favorite rap artists of this decade. And, uh, and they kind of came out around a similar time. Young Thug was about a year later than Future, a um, year or two later. Uh, and and they both were, you know, very talented, very uh, formally progressive. And the, and the interesting thing is that Future did have, he really did have in 2015, Sturdy Sprite 2, I think, 30, yes, 2015, yeah. he really did have his time in the sun. Like, mm-hmm. he had that year of fuck up with some commas and the whole, all that, everything, 56 nights, everything around then where he was, Beast like, mode, the, 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 the guy. Mm-hmm. And and that time has never really come in the same way for Young Thug. No. He's been consistently putting out very interesting music, sometimes totally irresistible music, mm-hmm. Um but it's yeah, I, I'm with you. He's it's never quite had that ascension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like you know when when Beautiful Thugger Girls came out, that's when I realized I was like, oh, Young Thug's never gonna do that as a solo mm. artist. Like he is not a solo artist who's gonna be who's cranking out hits that sound like stuff that's already on the radio, but slightly different enough that it can uh, propel him to the top. Ra- the as a solo artist to like to the, the A-list, top, yeah, to the top of the. Billboard Hot 100, he's always going to make something stranger mm-hmm. and more, less obvious and more unusual than you're expecting. Yeah. And I feel like just having that thought in my head has really alleviated a lot a lot of stress for me because, oh, wow, I was like, when is this going to happen for Thugger? And it was bothering me that it wasn't happening. Yeah. You know? I, I also give myself permission with his music to take my time in, in getting into it. You know, it, it is because uh, some sometimes it's 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 he doesn't always pick the most like obvious beats sometimes, and the way he inter- even like rides those beats is is sort of distinct and unique. And often it can take me a while to realize what my real favorites off a release are. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have, that said, like he also is just uh, I don't know. He's just got this distinct. Like uh, he might be one of the most unique rappers ever. Like, oh yeah, you know. I think there's no question about that. Is there's just something about him, and there's a lot of he's now would seemingly be less unique because there are actually a lot of people trying to do exactly what he does. A lot of people he's inspired. Yeah, there's a guy named there's a guy named Rollo from Atlanta who sounds like uh like it's like. You know, when there's like a TV show and there's like a bad clone of someone, that's like <laughs> Wario. What, yeah, yeah, Rollo exactly. Is... <laughs> Rollo is the uh, like a, <laughs> Wario. Like Wario. Yeah. Well, he's actually more of a Waluigi. I think he's less important. Famgoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's get into this album. Yeah, um, this album is built as a compilation. It features several other rappers, some of whom you've heard of, some of whom you might not have heard of. Uh, so we got Gunna on here. It was mm-hmm. Tracy T, who used to be on MMG. You have, you may not know this, but you have two of Young Thug's sisters, yeah. <laughs> Dora and Dolly. Who do great. They do excellent. Yeah, they're actually And they were featured on the, so- on the final song of a previous Young Thug release, I'm Up, mm-hmm. on a song called Family. Yeah. And they also sound great there. Yeah. And I really enjoyed their contributions. They're also on one of my favorite songs on, on, on this record, on this record um, Expensive. Yeah, uh, you and Slime Enough is 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 that yes. they're on that right? Yes. Yeah, uh, they that you know I, I I would like it doesn't really seem like one of the things that's funny to me about this record is that while it's sort of a label compilation, does like YSL Records actually put out music other than Young Thug? <laughs> because like I would actually like to hear a record 
of you know Young Thug's sisters. Oh yes, you know like just Dora, them. Dora, who goes by the name High Dora right now. Yeah, right now and Dolly's still just rocking Dolly. Yeah, that would be great. I would love that record. Yeah. You know, they're interesting. They're very interesting. Right? Um, but like it's it's sort of this might be kind of kind of what you will get from them in their career. Right now, it's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Occasionally being featured on a Young Thug release, basically. Yeah. I mean, for me on this album, there are some songs that I really enjoyed that stood out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Chanel Go Get It, which features Gunna and Little Baby. Tsunami, Gang Clout, Dirty Shoes with Gunna. Gunna's on a roll right now. He is. We'll talk about this a little more on the Travis when we talk about Travis, but Gunna is... Gunna's in in his pocket right now. Yeah, he's it's kind of a similar. I think feel like he's kind of similar to uh, where Migos were pretty early in their career. Sort of similar, like exciting Atlanta rapper who uh, is like we're still kind of figuring out what their future is, but it, we're always happy to see them on a song. Uh huh. Uh huh. And he just has a way. It's like his. It's kind of like the way you described Little Baby's flow a while ago. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a current. Yeah. You know, like on um, on Dirty Shoes. He has this. He has this line where he's like, he's essentially says he's like, I'm trying to see if I could, trying to see if I could fit a whole mill in my pocket. And the way that he says it, it's like trying to see if I could fit a whole mill in my pocket. Like it's just yeah, like yeah. it just sounds. It makes you. It makes you want to laugh. It just yeah. sounds funny, and it's yeah. also just, it's a smooth way of rapping. It's, yeah, a, it's yeah. like a cold flow. You yeah, know? absolutely. And I feel like that's what he does really well. It's like, and he Gunna is somebody who really sounds like he's dancing on the beat. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, he's finding the open space and he's making a sound there that's like, you know, it, it's not the most, it's not it's not the most common, it's not the most average flow. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him stand out, which yeah. is a lot of things that made Young Thug stand out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he doesn't have the, the crazy range at this point, but he's, it's just, I don't know, there's a consistency to him as like a new artist. And he he's I think he's been with Young Thug for a while, right? Like he is a, a like a weird like the maybe the success story of YSL Records beyond Young Thug himself. Yeah, yeah. There seems like there's a few. I mean, Little Duke, is, Little Duke, yeah. uh, Little Baby is also somebody who's friends with Young Thug That's before true. he got into rap. Yeah. So it seems like there's a lot like Young Thug in the way that Gucci Mane has all of these, mm-hmm. you know, spiritual children yeah. like Migos and, and he, Thugger I mean, and name, really, name any rapper from his rapping in a he, trap style. He, he gave, gave so many of the most important artists of the last 10 years the co- a co-sign, Gucci Mane. It's true. Yeah. Future. Yeah. And it, may, it might be true for Young Thug. It is true for Young Thug. I mean, Young Thug. Thug, well, it was true that Young Thug uh, was co-signed with them, but maybe Young Thug will, you know more of these artists will come through mm-hmm. through Young Thug. I think that they might. I think that it'll be interesting. I think they'll be a little more niche. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, they won't be, be this, as the titans. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, But I one thing I will say is that when this album came out, um, I really, really loved it. Mm-hmm. And then in listening to it a little more intensely over the last few days in preparation for this podcast, mm-hmm. I was like, I still like this because I like Young Thug, Mm -hmm. but it's also not super special. No, no. There's a lot of songs that sound very similar. Mm -hmm. The beats especially. And and not in a way, not in a way that, uh, not in a way where I'm like, this is like a sonic cohesiveness that like is a part of the album Mm -hmm. construct. It's just like, this sounds like a similar production. (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely. And like, the thing is like Young Thug uh, is one of the rappers uh, who like it's a very small company who can really like you could put him over any beat you know he's on like that Jamie XX song it's mm-hmm. like kind of like kind of a solely there's gonna be good times uh, and like you know if he, he, like there's some Travis stuff he does he's done with Travis Scott that is like really interesting and off the wall a little bit and he can he can like ride any beat and so it's a little bit disappointing that he's like kind of gone into the, he goes into this one pocket from a lot of the record mm-hmm. um and it, it's just not uh, the other thing is like when we think back on what his two previous full lengths were before this beautiful thug girls and jeffrey, jeffrey it's like it's not really in that conversation with those two records, and those just kind of showed a progression. And this doesn't. This almost and they feels showed like, a range. Yeah, exactly. This just doesn't have in the same way. Mm-hmm. But it's still good. It's still great. Like still, a, like, still fun to listen to. Yeah. I, I will always. You'll never catch me not wanting to hear ten or fifteen new Young Thug exactly. songs. I just want to hear what flows he's gonna. Yeah. He's gonna bust out. I want to hear what 
unusual turns of phrase we'll hear yeah. what strange metaphors exactly. you know even, like, like it's like, i mean young thug is so good that even a less important release from him is still just very enjoyable and interesting mm-hmm. all right and what is actually maybe surprisingly the biggest record of the year or at least in competition with scorpion right now for the biggest record of the year Astro World. uh is the is our next topic, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, I think uh, before we get into this, I just want to tell a story about Travis Scott. <laughs> okay, because uh, I've interviewed him a few times, and the first time was in 2013, so five years ago. It was in the basement of a Toronto streetwear store, Stussy, the Toronto branch of Stussy, and um, I, when I when I went to interview him, I didn't really know who he was. I knew a little bit about him. I knew he was he was clicked up with Kanye. I knew that he had something in the works with T.I., mm-hmm. but I didn't really know much else about him. I listened to his uh, his mixtape that was out at the time. It was called Owl, Owl Pharaoh, which featured a lot of really interesting production. But rapping-wise, it was so nakedly derivative. <laughs> and I'm somebody who doesn't really mind that in, in, in artists, mm-hmm. but it was to the point that I was a little bit like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like... His nickname, La Flame, was a Gucci main nickname. Yeah, La Flair. Yeah. He literally says straight up in the way that Future says straight up. Like mm. he has a Future ad lib. Yeah. There was there was so many things about him that I was. He sounds like Kid Cudi like half the time in a mm-hmm. way that's like you know it's not even like influence. It's like this is like Kid Cudi cosplay. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really. And then when I got down to the I got down to the store, it was packed with kids. Mm-hmm. Packed with kids. And I was really confused. I was like, why are they here? Yeah. Like, why do they like, what do they like about this guy? I really just did not get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I interviewed him downstairs. He seemed pretty mysterious and like kind of uh, a little bit like, I don't know, off put by the situation, but he quickly warmed up and we had a great time. And his DJ, uh, Chase B, was there. And they, at the end, I asked him, because I know he's from Missouri City in, or Houston. It's, Missouri City is a suburb of Houston. And uh, Missouri City's most famous hip-hop connection is to the rapper Zero uh, from Houston, who has a song called The Mo City Dawn. So the final question I asked him is like, do you know all the words to The Mo City Dawn? Mm -hmm. Because basically everyone in Houston does. I think it's a requirement of living in the city, Mm -hmm. even if you're white. Um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't think any of I don't like, I'm sure most of the white people probably don't know. But it's like everywhere else, (laughs) the song is like, it's like the national anthem. Mm -hmm. And... So he started rapping it, and he kind of fucked up halfway. And he, and he, but we we had a good laugh about it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the interview, he was like, he's like, man, like Chase B was like, that was a good interview. That guy from Hype Beast was a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my big early cosigns. <laughs> guy from Hype Beast was a weirdo. Me, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, as the years progressed and and Travis Scott's career progressed, like I remember the moment where I really understood, I, I got it, mm-hmm. and that was when he released the single "Don't Play," which is a song that's on Days Before Rodeo uh, with Big Sean, mm-hmm. and that was the first time that I was like, "Oh my god, I yeah. get it!" Like it clicked in for me because mm-hmm. I was like, "I see what I see how he's taking a derivative style mm-hmm. and putting a new spin on it." Yeah, and. Just like, and also I feel like that song, and there's some songs in this album that replicate it, that has like, like this kind of really smooth flow from him mm-hmm. that he that he doesn't always bust out. You don't really hear that often, but he can sometimes just get into this like really. It doesn't sound like anything else. Yeah, it's absolutely a Travis Scott flow, and yeah. it's like, it's a pretty, it's a unique style, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it uh, earlier today before the pod. We I, we started recording the podcast that if uh, someone wanted was like could you just give me a sample of what rap music sounds like in the 2010s, you know, like in 10 years? Uh, I would probably just give them Travis Scott because I think that you within Travis Scott, you can find everything else, more or less. Even though, like, you know, someone like Drake has been bigger for longer or, you know, can someone like Kendrick is more critically lauded, uh, so on and so forth. It's like you can find so many other artists in, Tra- in Travis Scott's work mm-hmm. and the sounds of other artists. And that's the thing. It's like I remember those years ago when I was like hearing about him, I, like when I first interviewed him, I was like, it doesn't seem that special. Yet somehow he's clicked up with Kanye mm-hmm. and T.I. has signed him as a rapper. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
those the, the fact that that he had that kind of attention mm-hmm. from those kind of artists, I was like, okay, hey, there's something special about him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like over the last few years, we've watched him figure it out. Yeah, you know. Days Before Rodeo was a really interesting project. It's a classic. It's a classic. It is a classic. And I think that there's a lot of elements of of things that he did then Mm -hmm. that, I mean, had followed him throughout his career, but I feel like they show up really strongly on this album. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things is his use of features. Yeah. Like, the thing about Travis Scott that has always been very evident is that he is a huge fan of rap. Yes. And it feels like he likes the same kind of rap that we like. Yeah. I mean, there's a lyric on... um, on uh, Astro World, where he mentions listening to Mo Bamba by Sheck yes. West. Which is, well, that's also his artist. Oh, is it? Yes, Sheck oh. West. Sheck West is on Cactus Jack Records, which oh, is Travis's I label. That. I also forgot to mention that when Drake did his concert, he brought out Travis to do Sickle Mode, mm. and then Travis brought out Sheck West to do Mo Bamba. How did Mo Bamba get received? I don't know because I was losing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and I was on the floor and yeah. I was like in my zone. Yeah, yeah, and it felt. Titanic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it felt huge. Oh. Bon- uh, Chef Wes, he is a young kid. He's he really young. looks like a kid. He's like 17, I yeah, think. Yeah, he looks like 16. It. He He's like really it. young. He's yeah. like a high school student. Yeah, he is a high so school cute. student. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I do get his age uh, confused with, uh, what's his name, who also came out around the same time. Um, what does he the do? The dude at 100. What? I keep it one. Oh, keep it, uh, Smokey, 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 Mar- Smokey Margella. Yeah, like they. Smokey's fifteen. Yeah, they're both super young, like high school student, and like. Sheck West, he has a very entertaining interview where he talks about having like figured it all out, and it's like in such a way that it's like. I wish I could have that feeling again of being a teenager and feeling like you figured it all out. Supreme confidence. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, let's get into this album, Astro World. Yeah. So. This album has been talked about for a really long time, like highly anticipated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis is coming off his most successful album, Birds in the Trap. He's become a bigger celebrity through his uh, Jenner affiliation. His Kardashian-Jenner affiliation. He's officially he part of the father family. Of, uh, yes, he's a father of a Jenner. Yeah, Jenner baby. A Jenner, Jenner Scott. I think that you, I, I, I feel like the Kardashians are one of those families that when you have a child in that family, it gets their last name. You know, no matter what, the, the, the be, Jenner Kardashian, you know, fairly least has got to be a hyphen in it. Yeah, I wonder if he, if, if if Stormy, I mean, I guess we could probably look this up. Mm-hmm. Has his his real last name or Scott? It's probably his real last name. Yeah, Webster. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this album drops, and it starts off with Stark. honestly one of the one of the one of the most distinctive and standout. Uh, album intros I've heard in a really long time. Yeah, for sure. A song called Stargazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a banger. It is a banger, yeah. and it's like, and I feel like as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like it felt like. So this is like a kind of general thing for me on this album is that um, was well, a few things. Like first of all, calling this album Astro World is a huge move for Travis in claiming Houston as his city. And this is something that he hasn't really done before. He's referenced Houston in, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in some songs, but he's never been like, "I'm the guy. For, I'm the new Houston rapper." Mm-hmm. And in some ways, he was like he wasn't right because I think that while he grew up there, uh, and I'm sure has you know some deep roots in some ways, he also moved out of Houston as the, for basically the first chance he got. Mm-hmm. That's uh, true, you know. And he didn't grow up like super poor and like and then have that kind of like i'm from the hood mentality i don't think really middle class he had a middle class upbringing and uh you know really wanted to be just like a rock star i think you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which is a lot of his the subject matter of his music is yeah. basically it's kind of rock. it is the only subject matter of his music basically um yeah so it's him even claiming calling this album Astro World is a big move. Mm-hmm. I should also mention that a rapper I've mentioned before here, a rapper by the name of Beat King, has two projects called Astro World. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's neither here nor there. I mean, Travis had, does have a long history of being accused of taking things either directly or indirectly. I wouldn't even say mentioned. being accused. He's just, just taken f- things. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you know? That's just true. Like, like even one of, like, uh, the song "Pick Up the Phone." Yeah, it's just a from, straight like, Jack from move, Young like... Thug. Uh, apparently, the story that one of Young Thug's sister told on Twitter was that this song was <laughs> Young Thug's song that he did with the singer songwriter Stara, mm-hmm. who has her fingerprints on everything, mm-hmm. and that Young that Travis Scott heard this in the studio sometime, 
took the song, recorded his own verse mm-hmm. into the song, and then later just was like, let's put this out. Yeah. And it was like essentially put the song out on SoundCloud. And it's not a remix. It not was a, his <laughs> song. It was Young Thug's song with Stara, and Travis just did a verse over it, seemingly without the consent of the other people on the song. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I feel like that says a lot of, that's like, that's kind of his reputation and because he does shit like that. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like, it sort of says a lot about his like artistic mentality, which is just sort of like take from wherever and see what works and fits, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like for someone who does, he like doesn't have a lot of variety of subject matter. He does have a lot of different musical palettes that he can go into. And I think that, you know, in some respects, like, what you're getting from a Travis Scott album is sort of like it's sort of like a Kanye record in that like sometimes the best part about it is the features and he can really bring out the best on the art of the artists on his records and I think that's really true on this record. I mean, uh, him and Drake go together pretty well and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sicko Mode is going to be one of the biggest songs of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and and even just across the record, I mean, he is he's got. Tame Impala. He's got a Gunniverse, which is very, very. The song's very similar it's, to uh, Soul That Dates. Yeah, you know, the song with little Gunna has a song with little baby. Yeah. Soul That Dates, and it's basically Soul That Dates two, mm-hmm. which Soul, which is fine. Soul That Dates fine. deserved a sequel. It did. I hope little baby's okay with it. He yeah. seems he seems unpressed. Yeah. I mean, Gunna did the song and yeah. dipped into his his sold out dates flow. But, mm-hmm. um, but even now, I th- even though Nav sounds very quiet, I think he sounded good. Yes. And then, and well, then they, they fixed the verse <laughs> yeah. and it's pitched. It's like back. It's at a high level. Yeah. Uh, but another thing I really enjoyed about this album was how embedded Houston rap is in the album. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few things. There's the Houston rap component. There is the samples, which the samples on this album are really unreal. Yeah. Very good. Like he's got a biggie sample. He's got a two life crew sample. He's got, you know, it's like you really you can hear how expensive this record sounds at certain mm-hmm. points. You yeah, know? three six mafia, three six mafia, and the, the biggie sample is like literally it's like a few, it's like four bars or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you just dropped a bag for these yeah. four bars, you know? I really, you really got to appreciate that level of of production <laughs> yeah, that's true. of wanton Expense. excess, yeah. Um, which I think is a which is Travis's whole career basically yeah. is wanton excess, absolutely. Um, but so this album has a lot of like Houston references. This song Five Percent Tint, which is a, a a quote of a Slim Thug lyric from Still Tippin'. You got the song R.I.P. Screw, which for a long time, a lot of people, myself included, have really vaunted Houston's music scene as mm-hmm. the perfect regional community of like yeah. how you can be a local rapper, but be very successful and be supported by your city and some surrounding areas. And I think if there's any knock on like Houston's rap style in general, at least in the last like you know ten years, mm-hmm. 10, 12 years, is that it really hasn't gotten out of that sound. It, and it's, that it's, it's like this. It's it, stagnated it, a little it's bit. It's stagnated. You know, I, you got Maxo Cream, which is like kind of on the borderline. It's like a new mm-hmm. sound, but it's like you know, it's, yeah. it's not necessarily and like enough. Enough. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of like in a funny way, you could say that Houston's very similar to. Uh, to New York because it's sort of like a lot of people don't I think realize how amazing Houston rap was in the 90s and in early 2000s I mean we we are obviously always shouting about that but uh, it's in some sense it's like when you have just this like serious golden era of originality and talent uh, the artists that come from come after can just fall into the shadow of that and Houston has that in the way that I think New York had, you know, in the 90s when you had like Wu-Tang and all that. And then in the 2000s, you had like Red Cafe and, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, bad sort of like Jay-Z knockoff rappers. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. sort of in the 2000s, you didn't really get like you after the um, sort of Slim Thug, Zero, Trey, Chameleonaire, Paul Wall era. It was like there wasn't anyone who stepped up yeah, to fill had, their You had their Kirko space. Bangs for yeah. one song. Yeah. A, good, a great song. Great song. Um, but it really didn't, there was not a, the, the torch wasn't handed to anyone because there was no one to hand it to. Mm-hmm. So for years, it was just like Houston was just those guys still recording music, Slim Thug, Paul Wall, Lil Flip. Um, but this album is really Travis taking the throne. Like he had a mm-hmm. huge installation of the cover of his album outside of Screwed Up Tates, Tapes and Records, which is DJ Screw's shop in Houston. And I was checking out on Instagram, all the Houston rappers are coming through. So, like, you had Little Flip there, you had Paul Wall there, Slim Thug, Little Kiki, like, all these. 
What's that? Did Bun B? Hmm. Where's he at? Curious. I haven't seen him in a while. Haven't seen, but didn't see Bun B in this in this scenario. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's a professor at Rice University, like one of the oh, schools that's in wonderful. Houston. Um, but yeah, that is odd that he wasn't involved from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, what it, it looked like is like the Houston community was really supporting Travis, which mm. to me I found very interesting because I was wondering like what they would think about somebody that didn't necessarily necessarily claim the city yeah. as his home. Doesn't didn't really, really have, live it in the, in the same way. You know? Yeah, didn't live it in the same way and like how they feel about it. But they all seem to really support it. Mm-hmm. Travis did. Uh, he features a, a young Houston rapper in a kind of his breakup moment, Don Tolliver. Who has a uh, the one of the like the standout guest verse maybe what on can't say mm. I mean speaking of guest verse you got a lot of great ones here you have Frank Ocean mm-hmm. you got Drake and I think the cool thing about Travis is kind of another Kanye like thing is that he sets artists up to shine in a way that they don't sound on other records. Yeah. They enter Travis's universe mm-hmm. and they do something that is very that is their their Travis version, you yeah, know? Absolutely. Like Frank Ocean's like singing with autotune, sounding like little young thuggish at some moments. Yeah. He's like he's rapping. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, even Drake like with uh, you know, the Take Heath yeah. beat. It's like it's like it's it seems like another level for him. Mhm. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it and it, you know it just is kind of strong end to end this record. You know, uh, I, it it I, it was kind of thing where I was like looking at it and I was like thinking like, I mean, what you could kind of say about the record is it's like it's almost top heavy because it like the the first like eight songs or something are so good, mm. but even the the songs at the end are good too. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and you, you have butterfly effect. Which is still it sort of didn't get overplayed somehow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, still, still a nice song. And the way it fits into the trajectory of the album is actually perfect mm-hmm. because it, it's it's sonically cohesive with the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, this 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 song. it sounds new in the context of listening to the album. You know. Yeah. So for me, I'm I'm I think this is Travis's best release. I, I to me, it's just I I think Days Before Rodeo is really great, and I think they're probably about the same tier. Fair, yeah. fair, fair, fair. Um, and it, it feels like to me, this is like Travis on the big scale, really figuring it all out, figuring mm-hmm. out all the things that he was working towards in the early parts of his career. Yeah. In terms of just melding different like regional artists and bringing them onto a national scale and mm-hmm. kind of like being the guy that like, because years ago on Days Before Rodeo, he's the guy who has like Pee Wee Long Way on a song. He has Young Thug yeah. and Rich Homie Quan when they weren't the most obvious guys to get on a feature on a song, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like he's doing that here with like the, with, getting the gunna on the album, getting yeah, Don Tolliver, you know, and also hanging out with the glitz and the glamour of the Drake. You got Stevie Wonder playing harmonica on a song, <laughs> you know. It's a really like it's it feels like a super album. Yeah, for sure. And I mean it's it's it just plays to his strengths. I mean sometimes uh, you know, on at the actual rodeo record, for example, his ex- experimentation didn't always work for me. Mm. Uh, it was kind of hit or miss. Um, and then uh, on be on uh, Birds in the Trap, uh, it was kind of, it was almost a little safe in some respects. I actually really like that record, and I think it's sort of a bit underrated, but uh, I can see that it's it's sort of like this is the 21 Savage song, this is the Bryson Tiller song, this is the Nav song on that record, whereas Mm -hmm. this, it feels more Travis, you know? I agree with that. Yeah. So great job, Trav. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, all those people who thought you're not a legitimate artist, you proven wrong this time. Or not, they probably still feel that way. <laughs> probably still. <good. laughs> uh, so it's time again for us to mention our uh, picks of the week in terms of songs that you can find on our Spotify playlist, which is, it's nice to actually have that cohesion now of the Spotify playlist and the Spotify podcast. You know, Straight up! <laughs> all right. So... Uh, Jordan, do you want to go first? Yeah, I will. Um, so we're going to do an old Young Thug song, an old Travis song, a new Travis song? A new, yeah, an Astroworld song, a Slime Language song. Uh, yeah, yeah let's, let's just do that and, yes. then, and then I'll do a wild card. Okay. Yeah? Okay. okay. Um, so my old Young Thug song is a song called Keep in Touch. It's from his project I Came From Nothing To. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like one of the. This is, I think, one of the first Young Thug songs that I. Heard. This is the first one I ever heard. And I, like, 
you'll hear this when you listen to it, but it's just a really, really strange vibe. Mm-hmm. It's romantic, but it's weird. Yeah. It feels like you don't know what's going on, but you do know what's going on. Yeah. It's all the things that I found most appealing about this guy when he started out. Just yeah. really, but, really creative. And it's 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 creative in a different way than the like uh you know, finding m- melodies in the strangest places, young thug. It's it's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. And the new Young Thug song I, I like from this week is Expensive. It features his sisters, Hi Dora and Dolly. Um, to me, this is one of the standout tracks on this on this project. Um, so Sorry. My apologies. Uh, <laughs> Travis Songs. Old Travis Song is going to be the one that I mentioned earlier, Don't Play with Big Sean. This is also a really great verse from Big Sean. This is around the time that I'm like, I know I, I have to like at least a little bit stop irrationally hating this rapper. Like he does <laughs> have some really incredible verses and can be good. So it's Don't Play. And my song from the new Travis album uh, is, you know, it's going to be Stargazing. You mm-hmm. know, like it's just so, a great album yeah. opener. There's a lot of other songs on this album that probably have bigger moments in it. But for me, like all week after this this album came out and even now to a degree it's just like all that's in my head is rolling 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 got me stargazing yeah super good sipping on perfume like the bar baby <laughs> <laughs> um my young which my young picture song i think i'm going to go with um digits uh the young thug song just really catchy hook still plays in my head every time I think about it. Um, sort of a nice mid-career young thug. If we've got one of his earliest songs, got his most recent project. Digits is a good mid-career cut. Uh, my Travis song, um, I think I'm going to go with um, Maria I'm Drunk off Rodeo, which is a classic collaboration of uh, two of Travis's um inspirations in uh young thug and justin bieber <laughs> uh and it's to me it's the only good song on rodeo or the only song i still like on rodeo i should say other than antidote um and uh it's just a, it's 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 like a, one of his more interesting uh pockets from that time um and then my song off slime language is you ain't slime enough it's the standard I didn't know that I had to meet, <laughs> but apparently that's where I'm at. Uh, and my song of Astroworld, hard hard to pick one, uh, but I think I will go with Sicko Mode because it's going to last forever. Facts. Well, thanks again for hanging out with us for uh, another week. Um, we got some special episodes coming up for you. We ha- we're going to do another catch-up classic where we're going to discuss two album, two classic albums from the 2010s. So stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could rate, subscribe, you know, review, tell a friend, all that stuff. Tell re- an enemy. Yeah, post on uh, the little screen cap, you know, on iTunes. Love getting those Instagram tags. It's wonderful. If you're on Instagram and you follow me at Jordan is Joso or James at Rattlebones, um, is it Rattlebones? Or Rattlebone. Rattlebone, I think. No S. Rattlebone. Please. Rattlebones is the Twitter. Rattlebone is the the Instagram. So if you're listening to us right now and you want to take a screenshot of the episode and post it on Twitter so we can repost it and Mm -hmm. let more people know about it, that would be great. And otherwise, please just take care of yourself. Yeah. Enjoy your week. Enjoy music. Yeah. And enjoy your life. We'll We'll see see you next week. Take care.